everybody. Welcome to Pockets. This is episode eight. I'm very excited to be with my dear Fabian again. Sign of eternity. Eight. eight. Very lucky Infinity. number. Um, as you guys know, this is the podcast where we explore the pockets between movies and life. I did just want to uh, take just a brief moment to apologize for the kind of skipped episodes. Fabian and I try to produce weekly episodes for you guys. But, you know, life, there was the holidays, mm-hmm. Fabian had COVID, mm-hmm. I got the flu, there was a wedding in Jersey. So, you know, shit happens. Cocktail flus, cocktail flus. Co- cocktail flus, <laughs> although that'll never stop us. Who are we kidding? Um, so We're anyway, working on one right now. Exactly. Thank you for your patience with us guys. We do strive to get them out weekly, but for right now, we're doing our best to just get them to you as often as possible. So um, let me just start by saying post-flu, post, you know, I just feel like you and I, we've only had like one hour, I feel like, in the last three or four weeks. Yeah. It is wonderful to see you. You got this amazing jacket from... The Warren Beatty. I call it the Warren Beatty. The Warren Beatty Parallax View. Oh, it is fantastic. I was going to wear it tonight. I'm going to the the film festival tonight for Jeffrey Wright, but I'm going tomorrow for Annette Bening. And what if he's there? You have to wear it. I have to wear it, right? So maybe I won't wear it tonight. No, honey, nobody's going to know if you wore it tonight. Yeah, they will. They will. Everyone watches me. I'm kidding. In my world, everyone notices. So can I just ask, because, I mean, obviously, guys, the Santa Barbara Film Festival is going on right now. It started a couple weeks ago, and um, sounds to me like Fabian got his hand on a VIP pass of some kind, and I'm very, very jealous and envious. one of the luckiest people in the world. So lucky. My friend is the sponsor. Oh, I mean, the sponsor for the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. So I sit second row or first row in front of, you name it, Bradley Cooper, sitting right in front of me. Paul Giamatti last night. Was he wonderful? He was was really good. He was great. You know, Scott Feinberg, who I really like a lot, was a little off last night. He was a little bit off and... It was a little too formulaic, yeah. and I, you know, you could see Paul Giamatti Paul's getting frustration. to really good. No, he was getting oh. to really emotional things. He almost teared up a little bit, oh. and it just kept getting interrupted, and like not, the flow wasn't. He was, yeah. But Paul Giamatti was fantastic. What a great, great human being. Well, I do want to ask you, Fave, though. You had mentioned to me about seeing Bradley Cooper, and um, you what you said to me, I think, was just so really lovely. You mentioned that what just what a what a grateful man he is. Like gratitude Completely. seems to be a big component in his life. It's the number one component in his life. There is not one negative word spoken about anyone. One. He constantly reminds himself and everyone how lucky and how aware he is of how lucky he is in what he's able to do and what he's what he's been able to do it's and amazing. has done. It's amazing. Really nice. And you know how he ended it. He ended the evening and with speech, accepting the award, his speech was he wouldn't be there without the people who encouraged him and said, if you have anyone in your life who needs a little encouragement, do it. Do it. And that is the, the best thing ever. Because you don't realize how much an effect that ha- the impact that that little bit of encouragement can have on For somebody. Sure. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're feeling emotionally. But just giving that little seed, you know, I, don't, I just thought it was very beautiful what it he was said beautiful. about him. He said this. This is a really great example. He uh, was in the actor's studio. And you know how they used to do with with Love that show. Oh, me too. Yes. So he was in the audience when Robert De Niro was being interviewed. And he wanted to ask a question. He was going to ask a technical question that everybody asks. And, you know, but he, he 
asked a question from his heart and it was about a little tick, a little movement that he does in, in a scene. And he thought, this is gonna be so stupid, it's gonna be so stupid. And Robert De Niro looked at him and he said, that is a great question and answered the question and that was that. He said that that, that little, little bit of, of that right. moment, that thing of saying that was a great question right. got him through years of insecurity, of, of thinking, look, at what I, am I doing this? Should right. I be doing this? Right. That encouragement, that little bit, just it's, saying that was a good question, just acknowledging that he, he did something good. It's incredible. Got him through a lot. It was really, really, those little tiniest things, you never know who might need it. And you know what I think is also interesting? Somebody like Bradley Cooper with all of his fame and success he feels like all of us do when you're terrified to ask that question. Oh, yeah. I was at um, some kind of conference once, and there was a woman who was very successful. I'm sorry that I can't remember. I'm still getting over the flu. And I went up to ask her a question, and I was so nervous to ask her that question that my lips started quivering like Elvis <laughs> Presley. Seriously. When I got home, I asked my husband, if, can you notice this when it happens? He's like, absolutely. <laughs> so she was very kind and answered my question, but it's so important. I asked the question. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what her yeah. answer yeah. was, but I had the courage to ask, yeah. and that's what he did, and in that moment, it was able to come. Yeah. I yeah. love it, Faith. I did it too. seems like you've really been able to enjoy the I film. I can't stop staring at your mouth right now. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. All right. All right, people. Um, So, yeah, so that's basically the film festival is one thing. I had the flu, so I caught up on a lot of movies. We had discussed, um, we had discussed the conversation with Gene Hackman. Yeah. Which, um, you know, it's funny, Fave. I remember watching it like years ago, but you know what? You have your head up your ass, you're like in your 20s, you don't give a shit. Then you watch it in your 50s, you're like, this guy is fucked up. Like, he's having some trouble here. But Gene Hackman, not underrated. I think everybody loves Gene Hackman. He was so good in that movie. He was so good in that movie and so out of character. And that talking of that man, I wanted to punch him in the esophagus. I just, enough with (laughs) the talking. What a great movie. I had never seen it. It was great. I just watched it a month ago. I know, I know. Ironically, you watched it on Netflix. I was watching Pluto TV. It's a free app, people. If you do want to see some good free television, feel free to download the Pluto TV Mm. app. It's free and it's wonderful. Um, uh, conversely, you also uh, write. It's funny because you had texted me like a month ago about watching the conversation, and that you and David also watched the Parallax View, which same which, year. which, sh- which same was shown year. right after the conversation. And they're they're sort of related those two films if you think about it. CIA, uh, oh yeah, listening in on people's espionage, listening right. in on conversations, right. and then conspiracy theories galore. Yes. Right, I mean, there was there was definitely yeah. a connection. I think it was post Watergate. For these movies, oh, that's so there is a connection why they with were this. So yeah. paranoid, almost. yeah, for sure. And yeah, everything was there. The government is listening to us or watching right, us. Or right, everything right. is being controlled. Exactly. It may, and it, they're both 1974. Uh, that's all of we started. I'm, Dave and I have been watching only 1974 films. I love it. If we're watching old ones, yeah. Because, FYI, Fabe mentioned to me that Netflix is airing a bunch of 1970s yeah. films. So I'm going to be doing the same yeah, this really week, bizarre. just going in and Alice just... doesn't live here anymore. I mean, oh, look at, oh, Jesus! I remember movies. that movie, Chinatown. <gasps> Chinatown. That the just whole nose it. thing bothered me, but I'll do it. Just it watch just, it. Okay, That's I will. He, I know. Fabian one. knows I've been fighting watching it. All right. Anyway, my love. So we are not going to waste you guys' time much longer. As you know, our first segment of the show is weird, odd, wonderful stories from around the world. Um, this is uh, 
Oh, let's, that's actually, Peter, uh, Fabian, that's on you now. So yeah, what do you I'm have ready. for us? Well, you know, I ran into our, a, friend, a mutual friend of ours, Jane. Jane gave us this wonderful eye, a topic one to word, discuss. One word, she said, one word, and that just opened up the doors. It opened up something. <laughs> she opened up the doors to Merkins. And Merkins, for people who don't know what that is, which to me is shocking that no one would know what that is, but a lot of people don't know. A Merkin is basically a pubic toupee. It... I always thought until Jane asked me this question and I started investigating, I had no idea. I thought it was only for actors and actresses who had nude scenes and didn't have enough hair or the wrong color hair or something. Right. And it was a little, you know, toupee right. that you would... Uh, toupee. Oh, no. The Fire history. Crotch? That's mean. I should Yeah. The, okay. No, the... Dave has one. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, can we delete... <laughs> We can't, so we're just sorry, everybody. Oh, guys, okay. please don't mention it to him. <laughs> kind of-ish. Kind of. It's not like, okay, whatever. Moving on. Okay. Um, but what's really fascinating is that the history behind this goes way further. And it is. It's, Jane a, it's remarkable. Jane really knew the history, which is really impressive. Go, Jane. Well, the, the uh, Merkin's origins trace back to around the 15th century. It was initially used by sex workers in Europe and one of the main reasons was to cover up signs of disease like syphilis, which was rampant and often left visible sores or signs of infection in the genital, genital area. Can you imagine? Well, it, it's insane to know that syphilis is actually on the rise today. Yeah. It's crazy. Go yeah. on, go on. Uh, beyond concealing symptoms of disease, Merkins also served a practical purpose. In an, era when, in an era when personal hygiene was different from today and infestation of lice were common, many women, including those outside the sex industry, would have their pubic hair shaved for sanitary reasons. And a Merkin provided a way to maintain appearances while dealing with these things. Uh, over time, it found its way into fashion and theatrical use. In the 17th and 18th century, it became an occasional fashion accessory, can you imagine, among some women. In more modern times, it has seen use in films and theater when nudity is required. And you don't want to do full frontal. Before you move on, though, Fabe, I am curious. Like In the 17th and 18th centuries, so things were quite modest still back then, how was it a fashion accessory? Were you able to figure that out? No, but well, the only thing that I can think of, and it's a little bit further back than what I'm thinking, um, you know, the, and again, I should know how to say this, but Mazon Mar Margiela or Margiela? Who I love, I love, Maison but I never Maguiela. knew. I, yeah, I would say pronounce the vowels. So. Margiela. Anyway, incredible. They're very, very avant-garde. They do the most bizarre Oh, that's clothing. right. I saw that article it that you amazing. sent me. It was really amazing. Yes. And so uh, John Galliano, who's, who runs it, designed uh, some new pieces for, for the line right. that are sheer right. lace with tool dresses with merkins underneath. And the merkins, if you see how they're made, they're all hand Stitched. hand stitched through the tool the hair they're literally hand stitching hair it's gorgeous and all of these amazing models and actresses who did the runway show are wearing them he was inspired to do this because now we're going to go back to a movie even though it's not a movie he was inspired by a photographer a French Henri Brazaille who was a, a French photographer who did those black and white photos and most people have seen his photos we just don't realize that it was him because most people don't know him by name. But photos of Paris and in that in the 1920s, you know, in and just beautiful black and white photos of uh, women at a restaurant. You've seen it. The one, the I'm one with sure all this makeup. I have. And, well, you know where you've seen it. If you have seen the film Henry and June, 
Of course I have. With Uma Thurman? Yeah, of course Remember? I have. Oh my God, that movie. Those with scenes, Anna That alley scene with what was his name? I thought it was oh the hottest God. thing ever, too. <laughs> ever. You know what was hotter for me? What was his name? Yes. Uh, Fred Ward. Yes, that's it. Fred Ward. Fred who lived Ward. in Santa Barbara, apparently. And Fred. I used to have fantasies of running into him. Fred. Not just running my into God. him. My um, God. The scene that I loved was the one, <laughs> there was an office chair. Remember? There was an office chair. Oh, yeah. There was an office chair. Oh, I that was so whole, sexy. I remember every detail of that freaking movie. That movie was gorgeous. Yes. Well, Brazai is one of the characters in it. He's the photographer that's taking oh, yes. pictures. You see them, and they're literally recreating his photos in the... In oh, the, my God. Fabian. Was, I love that movie. The music in that movie was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend yes. it. And it's a beautiful Henry and movie. June, guys. Yeah, and it's Henry a, Miller and, and Anais Nin and, and June Miller, June who was Miller. his wife, and they had a thruple, basically. Right. They, uh, Anais and, 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 and June, June had certainly had their own. They had a relationship, yeah. and so did Henry. Right, right. And, and you know what's interesting about Anais Nin? She was, she was a polygamist. She had more than one husband. Right, and she did. And the one husband is the one who made most of the money, that you got her through and allowed her to write, and then later in life, and he knew about the other husbands, and that, that was all good. And later in life, her books finally became what big, they are, and they were being published. And then he lost money, and they his money, but it all worked out. And then they and lived then, off of her money. It's pretty fascinating. Didn't they live in the L.A. Hills, if I'm not mistaken? At the end, it's I possible. I was yeah. I was working in White Plains, New York, and I walked into a bookstore and I asked for um, a book by Anna Eastman. And the woman who owned the bookstore looked at me and she said, "You mean Anna Eastman?" Like, no, I'm pretty sure it's Anais. I say like, Anais. And she, is it Anais? It's Anais. And yeah. she's like, no, Anais. And I was like, no, it's Anais. Ten minutes. Anais, Anais. Finally, I was like, can you just show me where the goddamn book is? <laughs> so anyway, that's my memory of Anais. And my love for her, Henry and June, and yeah. that bitch in that bookstore yeah. in White Plains, New York. And inevitably, inevitably, Henry and June makes me think of Quentin Tarantino. And you know why? Kill Bill? No. Pulp Fiction. And you know why? why? Because the actress, oh, of course, of Medeiros, course, she's Medeiros. the one that played. She played of Bruce Willis's Bruce girlfriend, girl Fabienne. 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 I don't want pancakes. Remember? <laughs> yes. Why are you so mad at me? Like she was just so. She, I, I want to have pancakes. <laughs> I want pancakes. She was her so voice, adorable. Oh my her God. supple lips. She was, like, oh, she she just was adorable. Was perfect. She was perfect. adorable. And her he tiny was, shoulders. Their relationship was really cute. Oh, it was movie. really cute. And yeah. he, he was, I have to say, Bruce was awesome in that role. Oh my God. And with I her, and just the whole him. motorcycle. Yeah. They were hot. It was yeah. hot. It was, yeah. it, was, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was a time. It was. It was, it was a was time good. of wine and roses. I think and... people really forget that Bruce Willis was in a Quentin Tarantino movie and he was really great in it. This was a great scene, a great role. The thing is, he's known as an action guy, but Actually, I think that he did have a lot more chops to him than that. Oh, for sure. You know, there's a for the sure. unfortunate scene with the gag wall in the mouth, but yeah. Otherwise, he was quite yeah. amazing in that oh, movie. Oh, he was so good. Oh, everybody was the whole thing. Great movie. It was okay, amazing. That's a it whole was amazing. All right, but anyway, Merkins, Jane, thank you for that topic, and I do think it is fascinating. Not Jane, Mer- Jane Birkin. J- Jane, Jane, Jane Merkin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still wonder though, like, so it, initially it was to cover up 
obviously syphilis and stuff. Correct. But why today, Fabe? That's kind of the link that I'm missing. Like today, I think is, it's only for actors. I do think it's for actors. But the fashion guy, um, this guy, because he was in Galliano. He, he was um, inspired by those photographs. Oh, got it. That okay. had they he photographed um, hookers they, right. in, in in whorehouses. Okay. And so they had right. those there, and that's right. what inspired him to do the, the okay. The, the, got it. Yep. Design this. Um, got it. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Now it's my turn, everybody. Um, and, you know, bear with me, folks. I was coming off the flu when I when I outlined this episode. I'm doing my best. I'm going to say that in 10 minutes when I'm, it, right. I'm beginning my cocktail, my cocktail flu. flu. You're going to... Yeah, I'm already done you, with you need my to, first... I know. You need to have more. And you need to eat before your 8 o'clock show. Who We're, are you seeing again, by the way, at 8 o'clock? Jeffrey Wright. And who is he? Oh, dear He Lord. was Basquiat in the film Basquiat. He was, um, he's been in everything. And... He is nominated for an Oscar this year, and he was in Westworld, which is the most important thing you need to know. Oh, yes. He was Bernard. He was two characters in Westworld. He was great. You know, I have to, I started Westworld, and anyway, another time. We won't waste your time any longer, folks. According to Kelly, oh, jeez. She's one of yours. McConaughey. 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 Author of The Joy of Movement. She also authored The Upside of Stress and The Willpower Instinct. She says, in all of psychology, all of neuroscience, the most interesting find in the last decade in all of science is this insight that your muscles are basically an endocrine organ that secretes hormones into your bloodstream that affect every system in your body. Your muscles secrete chemicals and proteins when you exercise that are really good for brain health. About 10 years ago, one of the first papers published explaining that when you contract your muscles, contract, excuse me, when you contract your muscles, they literally secrete these proteins into your bloodstream and they make you resilient to stress and can protect you from depression. The scientists called them hope molecules. Now these hope molecules have been studied worldwide with a large study done in Norway. When muscles contract, they secrete chemicals into the bloodstream. Among these chemicals are myokins. They are these, uh, they are the, oh boy, oh boy. They're these molecules and they act as a, I'm totally messing up, Fabian. Anyway, they do, they cross, <laughs> I'm totally messing it up. No, you're not. Um, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. They, um, they, they improve your mood. Yeah. They, uh, they improve your ability to learn, your capacity for locomotor activity and protect the brain from negative effects of aging. This has been referred to as muscle brain crosstalk. This idea that your muscles are manufacturing antidepressant molecules and the only way to get them into your bloodstream where they can travel to your brain is to contract your muscles. That's it. It's like a pharmacy in your muscles and anything you do that contracts them, walking, running, hiking, weightlifting, anything, you're going to be dumping hope molecules into your bloodstream. And then when they get to your brain, they work as an antidepressant. Which is great. They also help people recover from trauma. It's like a miracle. Because while medications do work for most people, they don't work for everyone. And they don't do the full job. But the idea that your muscles can provide you with the equivalent of something like an antidepressant medication is phenomenal. And I do think, as somebody who is completely sedentary for the last several months, this is great news. Just stretching. I could be helping myself. You know what? Since this article, all I I think about it, so I'll... While I'm sitting, I contract my legs. Do you? I, my arms, I told my mother to do the same thing because my oh, mom, you know, she, on, yes. she has to have oxygen all the time. She gets tired very easily and she gets very depressed. Oh. So I tell her to 
contract your muscles. See if you can do it. She said she's going to do it. I don't know that she's doing it. But but there's something. Dancing is the only there's something, exercise I'm going to get in here. Yeah. I hate But exercise. it's still dancing. I know. Yeah. Me too. But you know, I walked the dog today. That was enough. But I just think, I love the whole <laughs> idea of the hope molecule. I do too. You know? And you know, people who are hikers and people who do exercise and they say how the, it makes them, it gives them a high, it makes sense. It's, yeah. it's, some people say it's just the meditation that you're getting and yeah. that could be part of it. But this is a huge part of why and, you would. No, feel I agree. And, and what I like about it too is I never got like, even when I was hiking, like for, for like a minute, Peter yeah. and I were Me doing too. the foothills and we were hiking. 31 and years I ago. I never got that Me. whole freaking, uh, what is it called? Mm-hmm. The, oh, it's that whole endorphin high. No. I never got that. I was no. just sweating and angry and hot. Yeah. Wanting a cool bath. Yeah. But. This is lovely in the sense that, and I think it is true, when you're moving, I feel, you know, um, just so really briefly, everybody, my dog got this arthritis shot, and all of a sudden, he is walking better, he's not licking his leg, and just moving more is better for him than, you know, yeah. not moving. Yeah. So that's for everyone. That's for everyone, not just Harvey. Not just Harvey Corman, the dog. Exactly. Um, well, we kind of we, we discussed some stuff. I did want to mention one thing, Fabian. Peter and I went to see the movie The Taste of oh, Things. Yes, and how was it? With you my favorite, not, favorite, 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 uh, Juliette Binoche. She does not disappoint. Oh, good, good. I want her at the film festival. I know. But the taste of things, everybody, really briefly, you will not be sorry for locals. It's at the Hitchcock Theater. Um, it is an ode to French cuisine, um, but also an ode to just beauty and, and, a, and, a, and a quiet love story. And okay, good. it is just, we came home and we were just elated, both of us. It was just so I saw amazing. an article this morning that was talking just about the sound of the film, the sound yeah. of the food yeah. cooking and no. the oils the, and the... The first, the first, yeah. I think the first 10 or 15 minutes, there is no speech. There is, Trebian, That's all you hear is Juliet yeah. say very well. And it's just them cooking and it is insane. You will not be sorry. The if... translation to Trebian and the cooking is, yes, chef, yes, chef. That's what they're saying. That just to, for exactly. those who don't know. And if you do see it, just, you know, I'm on Violet's team. Um, but guys, you won't be sorry. If, you, if you're if you a foodie, you will love it. Just go see it. The taste of things. I can't wait. You will not be sorry. Um, Fabian, we discussed a bunch of stuff already. I do want to mention when I was paralyzed with the flu, oh, yes. I happened to tune into Being There. Please tell me. You know, I I'm kind I haven't of, seen I, it in decades. I I have you know you know normally every day I make the coffee, I put on the news, I'm done, I'm done listening to the news. I know you shouldn't put your head in the sand, but sometimes you just need to. Yeah. So, Peter brought me my coffee. I put on. I I saw Being There on, and I put it on. Is it great? It holds up. Shirley MacLaine's in it too. Shirley right? MacLaine. Oh, I love that woman. And just and 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 I love the 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 notion that people you know belief is half of being right. They think this man is a freaking right. genius and right. he's completely a freaking right. simple gardener. Right. And yet Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner. And then the walking on the water at the end. Anyway, I'm ruining the end, guys. Being there, classic Peter Sellers. You won't be sorry. Yeah, I need to see that. Uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's a political commentary, or I, I, I can't wait. I'm gonna watch yeah, it. I'll watch you, it this weekend. You should tune in. I will. I'm it's gonna watch it this weekend. It's great for a Sunday morning. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, the other thing I just want to mention, guys, is J.K. Uh, J.K. Rowling. I you know I know Harry Potter fans out there. I didn't get on that boat, but I did get on the C.B. Strike 
Boat. That is her alternate novel um, where uh, it's just this mystery. It's a British mystery. It's on Hulu or wherever you can find it. CB Strike, really good stuff. Um, if you're just looking for something just nice, it's, it's like I'm glad it's you're Luther, telling me because right. if I see something that says CB Strike on Hulu, I'm thinking, oh, this is an action movie. This yeah. is going to be like yeah. Striker. Yeah. CB Strike. Exactly. You know, so it, it's good it, to Totally, know. Fabian. Go. Exactly, sweet. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. So, do you have anything for our movie time, my love? Um, we think we pretty think much we, covered. We covered it. I think we yeah. covered it. I mean, a lot. Henry and we're, June we're coming at you it. hot and heavy, yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah. All right. Henry and June. <laughs> All right. Um, guys, our third segment in this portion of the show, we are using the British term agony and auntie uncle. And we respond to anyone seeking advice. As in our previous episode, we borrowed questions from the internet. But now we have email and we are desperately seeking Susan. I mean, good advice. <laughs> We're desperately seeking anyone wanting advice from I us. I like desperately seeking Susan. That's great that I you love said that, that movie. I just, I just, it was just That's on. Good. We would just like to offer some pockets of wisdom. So please write into the show. We want to share our wisdom with you. Our email is pocketspod at gmail.com. That is P-O-C-K-E-T-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. Pocketspod.com. Come on, write in. Make us le- legitimate. And yeah, come on. Help us answer your questions. Well, Jane kind of did. Jane, Jane kind of did. Oh, it's not a question. It was just a, a topic. Yes. But Jane, don't you have any, any you know, anonymously, of I course, know. any... Anything you need a little advice on, just let us know. Anyone, anybody. Jane, give us some stuff. Exactly. And we will be kind. I mean, I know we. I know we come off kind of snarky. I've been thinking a lot about it. We need to. We need to uh, reapproach our stuff. But write in and let us help you. We're here. All right. Um, So I'm first, dear agony auntie and uncle. This is a difficult thing to admit, but I've developed some very strong feelings for my son's nanny. And I've come to realize that the only way I can put my desires aside and save my marriage is to fire her. Before you go any further, because they don't know who you're talking about, I have to say, when I first started reading it, I immediately assumed it was a man. Same. And of course, I'm thinking, of course, you've got to stop and you've got to, you know. But then it changes when you realize. But it shouldn't change it. I agree. So go ahead. Bias. Okay. We're conquering a lot of stuff here, folks. Yeah. (laughs) I am a bisexual woman and have been married to my husband for four years. He's always been very supportive of my sexuality. But when he and I got married, it was, for the both of us, always going to be a monogamous relationship. And that is something I have committed to. For the last eight months, my commitment has been shaken, thanks to my incredible attraction to our six-month-old son's nanny. Boy, that was an awkward sentence if you read it wrong. I knew from the moment I interviewed her that there were some feelings there. And looking back, I now realize it was a mistake to hire her, given the stomach flutters that I felt at the time. She was the best candidate though, and I wanted to find the most amazing person to look after my child. So I pushed through the feelings aside and welcomed her into our home as an employee and nothing more. Since then, however, my feelings for her have become impossible to shake off. I find myself daydreaming about her, about what it would be like to kiss her, to be in a relationship with her, to raise my son with her. Oh boy. All things that a woman in a committed marriage should never consider. Both my husband and my son are devoted to her. And I know it would cause chaos if I suddenly announced to my partner that I want to let her go. Questions would come up about why. And I fear that ultimately he would figure out what's going on. 
He knows me too well. I feel so desperate that I've even considered telling my husband that I caught her stealing or that I busted her in the middle of some inappropriate act. I know that would go against every moral code imaginable, but I don't know what else to do. How can I fire her without being the villain? From Nanny Nightmare. What do you think? I need you to go first on this. I got to tell you, this. I don't think this is that complicated. If her husband, if she and her husband are that devoted to each other and that good, tell the truth. Just say, honey, I know we love... And he knows she's bisexual. So Correct. He knows it's that that's not a, a lingering... mystery. Of course. Right. But even if it would be the same, why would it be any different if the husband said it to her that, you know, I have an attraction to somebody at work and I'm just letting you know that I'm, I have this attraction and I'm not going to work with this woman anymore. Like, I would want that kind of honesty. I would want just somebody to say, and then, yes, we would get rid of her. And but just... what if, what if, Fabian, just what if that person was a man? What if the nanny was a young 18-year-old boy? Or yeah. Like, would that be different than it being a woman? Like, is it sexuality would be exactly... involved no, here at all? not at okay. all. It doesn't okay. matter what the gender is. It's the honesty between those two people. Between that couple, right? They have that, obviously. If he knows her so well, and she she knows that if she makes up a story, he's gonna know what's going on. So just and tell the know, truth. Dave and, and just Peter, say, same thing. Like they know us so well. Like there's no way you can get around it. But wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? As the partner, feel, if you if you came to me, if you and I are married, and okay. you came and told yes. me that, I would feel like you're showing how much you love me that you're telling me this because you want it to work out for us. That you're willing to give her up. The, you've never even done anything with her. You're just that's thinking about point. it. That's a that, very that's good a point. Really Actually, strong, that's a really strong... That's key. a strong thing to say, I, I, I love our marriage and I love our relationship and I, I don't want to, you know, uh, endanger so it. You so let's get you, rid of her and I, tell her. And I would tell her why. I would tell, as long as there's no lawsuit that's coming and you right. haven't done anything wrong, right. that you just can say, say Honey, it's, you know what, right. I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. You don't have to give her a reason if you don't want to, but to say you've been amazing, but this is just a personal thing that I can't talk about, and we have to let you go, and I'm so sorry, and this is going to be very difficult for our son, right. and, and I'm terribly sorry about it. You know what, Fabe? I'm ashamed to tell you that I think my ego is too fragile. I don't know how I would feel if Peter came to me and said that he was having those feelings for somebody, even if he didn't act on them. I don't know. Do you I don't want think that he brave? does. You don't think that he ever has feelings for somebody. He does. And of course I do. So that's what I'm saying. But these are stronger than just little. I don't this know. person is obs- she's fantasizing she's, about her. Sure. She wants to run off with her. She thinks about sure, but she and she could do all of those things and she doesn't have to write a letter to ask for advice. Okay, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? She's, I see what she's, you're saying. She doesn't right. want to or right. she wouldn't have written this letter. She's right. asking, how do I do this so that I don't do any of those things that I'm fantasizing right. about? I think you're she's awesome. great. I get it. I yeah. think she's great and I think I think that she should trust the relationship she has with her husband enough to tell him the truth. I, would, I wouldn't be offended if I was the husband. I would be so proud of her and I would be acknowledging but the thing is she wants out she says how can I fire her without being the villain I think she wants this uh, out of her life yeah but she's she's not going to be a villain she's only going to be a villain to the to to the nanny exactly and I think that and maybe the son I think she and and personally speaking I my take you have yours is I don't know if she needs to explain it 
She can explain it to the husband. There can be yeah, a clean relationship. Correct. But she can just say it's not working out. Correct. Absolutely. And she doesn't need to ex- explain herself to this she person. Doesn't. I think it would be dangerous to explain herself, yeah, actually. it could be. It could I think be. it's just, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, if it was the husband. Here's your hat. What's your If hurry? it was the husband who was interested in the nanny, right? And they needed to get rid of her, and he said that the, the big be, thing. Then right. would you just say, "I'm sorry, it's just not working out," or would you say, "My husband's attracted to you, and we're gonna have That's to get rid exactly. of you"? Exactly. You don't so say you, it. You don't, you say, don't it. say it. So you shouldn't. And but I agree with you wholeheartedly, Fabian. You, yeah. you, you people can have attractions and yeah. fantasies, and it absolutely happens. I think that making up a lie about why you're gonna get rid of her and making up a lie that she did something inappropriate or that she stole from you is terrible. Awful. And that Awful. you will not recover from. Right. That is karma that's gonna come do back. Do not and... do not accuse her no. of anything that she did not do. No, absolutely yeah. not. She's beautiful and that you would love be, her. That would be really horrible to do. Yes. Yeah, don't do that. All right. All right. So that's it, Nanny Nightmare. Good good luck. Godspeed. I love that you picked one for me that is just... Oh, you could not have gotten a better one. Ooh. Dear Agony Auntie and Uncle, My daughter is six years old, and for the past year or so, I've started to realize that she's very different to other children, and not in my kids so special kind of way, but rather because she's displaying behavior that indicates to me there may be something very wrong with her. Ever since she was little, my daughter hasn't been particularly cuddly or affectionate unless she's trying to win myself or my husband over in some way. Obviously manipulative. Smart. We even used to joke about the fact that she'd end up being a high-powered CEO, having mastered the use of manipulation from such a young age. But the older she's become, the colder she's grown. Not just with us, but with other kids at school, with our friends and relatives, even with the dog. She doesn't really have any friends, and her teachers have raised concerns on a few occasions about her aggressive, quote-unquote, behavior towards her classmates. She's been accused of snatching toys from other kids and refusing to apologize, pushing others on the playground, and even throwing a book at another little girl. Every time this has come up, we've sat her down and explained why her behavior was wrong, and while she nods along as we speak, she doesn't really seem to be taking anything in, nor does she show any sign of guilt. Damien. Oh, worse. Worse. It's Rhoda. Do you know who I'm talking about? The Bad Seed. I was just... Oh. Oh. Okay, but we gotta keep going. (laughs) We gotta keep going. But as I continued my search, one word kept popping up, sociopath. Because she started Googling this, thinking, okay, what could it be? And, you know, which is really dangerous, whether you're feeling a headache or you feel like, you know, you know how we do that. We look something up and all of a sudden the worst case scenario and you're like, oh, my God, I have it. I have it. I have it. Exactly. She did that. And sociopath comes up. Initially, I shut down those websites and I vowed to never again use Google as a diagnostic tool. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that my daughter's behavior does align in a lot of ways with the clinical traits used to define sociopathy. Is that how you say it? I think so. Sociopathy, sociopathy. Look at me. Six of one half dozen of another. The last thing I want to do is create drama where there is none. But whatever the root cause of my daughter's behavior, I do know that it is something we need to address. My husband thinks that she will simply grow out of it, but I'm really not so sure of the case. If anything, I think it may get worse with time. Any thoughts of where I can turn from do-it-yourself diagnosis? 
All right. Well, I just want to start by yeah. saying, it, you know, my friend Susie is a director at a preschool, and she always says early intervention is crucial, critical. Um, did she say how old? Six years old. I feel like um, just the very notion that she's feeling this, something's there, right? Yeah, for sure. A six-year-old doesn't, you know, most six-year-olds don't just come off sociopath, right? Right. So something's there, early intervention. Um I think also, uh, you know, we were just giggling about the bad seed. I was literally waiting to say this to you at the end for the AI thing that you're going to do for the. Oh yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, people, you don't know why we're laughing, but it'll you'll see it eventually. Exactly, you'll get it. Um, but Fabian, I I don't know, like you know, I made the joke of Fabe, you know, of Damien, and remember the only yeah, like, of course, he was terrifying. Do you remember how t- Gregory Peck and Lee Lee, Lee Remick falling from the stairs when he pushes oh, her on that tricycle? Oh my, my God. God! Yeah. Oh my God! That but, movie. We were. Do you know that even as a child, we hadn't even seen the film when I was about ten years old. That movie had come out, I think, when I was ten. My sister and I would call each other Damien like when we were because just from commercials of showing that film we knew that Damien was the because he was literally the the the, da, 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 the devil remember the music he was like the, like the, it was that the like son of the devil hardcore oh it was horrible it was insane oh and that ending he oh um, anyway, guys, we digress. Listen, yeah. six-year-old. Uh, wait, what's this your This is name? something definitely. Do your do-it-yourself diagnosis. You're you, in, you're in trouble, girl. To quote Whoopi Goldberg. No, you are, and I think she absolutely should take take her to be seen. That's not creating right. drama or or something that isn't there. I think if help she has her. this concern, help her help now. Help her now, for sure. So you're not standing in front of a judge someday. Yeah, I'm you know? also wondering: is there a way of helping them? Is there a way of helping a sociopath? I don't know. Like, I don't there's either. There's medications. There's you know. Um, is there? Isn't there? Hi, I take medication for sociopathy. I don't know. I've never heard of this. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, I mean, let's think about it. Like, you know, there's those cosmopolitan, bizarre magazines, yeah. glamour. You know, who do you know in your life who's a sociopath? But I think they're light and, you know. But there are actual sociopaths in people's lives. This, I think this it's one, more this narcissists. This particularly we know, scary, though. Yeah, it is, because this we know really people does, who know like, narcissists. Narcissists yeah, is that's across the board. Exactly. You know, and narcissists are often... Exactly. Sociopaths are often narcissistic. Doesn't mean that a, a narcissist is a, is sociopath, a sociopath. But this, this is different. This is serious, and I think that you absolutely... I think she should absolutely go... Take go her to, to your, start with your your primary care physician. Yeah, go further a for therapist, specialists. For sure, therapists. someone who's going to give her and a, explore every avenue that you sure. can for this poor child. That sure. is obviously, but it is scary when oh, you it's do, terrifying when it's your kid. Can you imagine when it's a black and white movie called The Bad Seed and this blonde girl with bangs is just... Rhoda. When Rhoda, who has two, she has braids bangs and, and two braids. blonde braids, and the she. Bad seed. She kills a little boy. She's evil. By stepping on his hands with her tap shoes <laughs> in a park, in a lake. He's holding on to the little pier I and she stepped, she yes. stops yes. him and kills him. Yes. But the best part of the movie, yes. the best part of the movie, there was actually, I believe she was nominated for an Oscar, was Eileen Heckert. Eileen Heckert played the mother yes. of the boy who died. And she would come over, she would be completely wasted and drunk, and she'd come over and she goes, oh, can I just talk? She had this raspy voice. She was Mary Tyler Moore's aunt in the Mary Tyler Moore show. 
her lesbian end. Oh my god! I love Eileen Hecker. Eileen Hecker did win an. She won an Oscar for um, the Goldie Hawn movie. Butterflies oh. are free. She oh, played the mother. Yes, she did. I and just she watched that. that a few months ago. Really? Anyway, Eileen Heckard is one of my free. favorites. Great one I love to her. Tune in, guys. She was great on the Mary Tyler Moore show because oh she was God. absolutely a lesbian without saying she was a lesbian. Baby, and now we need to watch The Bad Seed again. Oh, I love The Bad Seed. Do we know what happened to that actress? That you know, it's like the Linda she, Blair effect. I think she grew up. To, was she, she didn't much do much. Yeah, I think she was yeah, done. I think yeah, that kind of did it for her. Yeah. Sorry, Linda. But. That movie was great. Eileen Heckert was amazing. And she'd come over totally, can I just talk to her? Please just let me talk to her. And the mother was like, oh, Rhoda, Rhoda, tell me you didn't do it, Rhoda. Rhoda. The mother was Dude, insufferable. I, I guarantee you the mother oh. was a Libra. I guarantee you. <laughs> I'm a Libra, you Libra. I don't say that Libras are insufferable. But the way she reacted about her daughters, they Oh, Rhoda, tell me you did it. That's a Libra. Of course, of That's course, a Libra. Of course, it was of totally course. a Libra. Guys, The Bad Seed. We're uh, not saying you should watch it. 1956, it's a classic. You, but if you find it, you're no, not going to be sorry. No, it's a it classic. It is a classic movie. And yes. it is, I'm sure a lot of directors have actually used that as a... As a, a a guide for yeah. their no, own I, movies. I have it's to an agree, amazing Damien. movie. It is really well done. It and it was one of well the done. most highest grossing movies of 1956 which is really interesting did you know that off the cuff or did you no, just research that because today because really I'm humbled that no, you knew that off the freaking no, cuff because it's right there there it is yeah. oh my god so so guys again I was when he was saying earlier I was like I've got to remember to tell oh, him no, about oh no I thought about best. this the minute I knew we were going to be talking about this <laughs> it was one of the largest hits of 1956 for Warner Brothers amazing it earned 4.1 million at that and time and a million you know, dollar budget that's 4. 1 million, million at that time is a 56. lot. That's insane. That's a lot. That's billions today. It was the top billions. 20 of the box office in the United States. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Amazing. All, All right. right. Well, everybody. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> but no, not to not to diminish the importance of at really oh, having yes. professional oh, help. Absolutely. I wonder if Rhoda... The character in the bad seed might have been benefited from yeah. Some that boy, early that little boy, might not have died. The reason that they find out that she's the one that did it, the mother figures it out, is because of the taps that she had in her shoes, and there were marks yes, on the boys, yes, the top of the boys' yes, hands yes. that matched the thing. And oh my no, God. do you remember? They live in an apartment. They live in an apartment, and there's the handyman. The handyman, the guy who takes care of the whole apartment, I'm just who knows the handyman. The handyman, the handyman, recognize he sees her. The handyman, no. This is where this is where our 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 gin is our gin for today has kicked in. It's Empress 1908. I highly recommend it. Yes, it's elderflower, elderflower and rose, rose gin. gin it is the most delicious gin you will ever mm. have. It's fantastic. It's fantastic, everybody. But he recognizes. The, the yes, Peter. Uh, yes, baby. And that's guess it. what happens to him? I believe he dies burned to death in his little whatever hutch oh that he God, lives in. Honey. Yeah, that's. So, Fabian, that was 1956. You yeah. Said? So some somehow 
when you and I were younger, they must have been making the rounds on local television. Oh, for sure. We watched the same movies over and over and over all the time. And we seem to have watched the same movies at the same period of time in our lives. Aren't we so lucky? I know. We're so lucky. I keep thinking about people who are are the age we were then. It wasn't forced. Because in a way, it has to be a little forced on you. And there were no other choices. Exactly. We had this is all we Come had. We on. had four channels. Come that on. was it. When Wait Until Dark came on on Channel Nine on Sunday at two p.m. in oh New York City. God. Come on, folks. Yeah. For us, it was on. It was on Sundays. We Sundays, had Sundays, but yeah. a little earlier. Mine yeah, was, you it know. was. So I, in L.A. Yeah, for us, yeah, it was on Sundays, yeah. Channel Five, I believe, and we had some really great ones. Oh my God, my dad would tell me that. Uh, my dad told me that he went to the theater with my mother, and they didn't go to the movies often, but they went to see Wait Until Dark, and there's that scene where um, Alan uh, Arkin. Arkin. Yeah, I forgot he was that. Do you know? I've never. Seen, I've never seen Wait, this movie that we're talking about, but I know that Alan Arkin was in it. We're going to need to hang up now. Goodbye. Yeah. No. Yeah. Seriously, Fabian, you need to see Wait Until Dark. I know. I know. Richard Crenna, come really? on. Wow. And, you know, Audrey is Audrey. And, yeah. and, and, she, and, she, and she's and, blind, correct? And, uh, Zimbalist. Zimbalist? Uh, from Zimbalist Jr.? That's Are you a, kidding? He's the, he's the fiancé or husband or, who wants her to force her way through the blindness. And the girl with the glasses, she's a, she annoyed me when I first watched it. Now I love her. Wait until dark, everybody. I think it's 1967. Um, Alan Arkin, uh, Richard Crenna, Audrey Hepburn, Zimbalist. It's wonderful. My father went with my mother to the theater in the Bronx to watch it. And there's a scene where Alan Arkin jumps, just jumps himself across the room to get Audrey, who's blind, by the way. I right, know I know she's, she's blind. This, I know that she's blind. And my father said that he like let out the. And my father was <laughs> like, like a, a girl. Was a handlebar mustache giant Irishman with big muscles, <laughs> and he let out the biggest shriek. <laughs> when Alan oh, Arkin. that's great! It's awesome. That's great. Anyway. Oh, I would have killed. For oh, that. here's to you, George Kelly, oh. and to all of you guys. And don't forget, we want to give you advice. So remember, pockets. Pocketspod at gmail.com. We love you. We hope you enjoyed this episode, Fabian. It is so good to see you again. I've missed you. You too. Me too. All right, guys. All right. Have a good one. Take care, everybody. Bye.